What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Did you, uh, boy, Brad Nessler was really great on Thursday Night Football on NFL Network. <laughs> you remember when Nessler had the calls? Yeah, it was when all the games looked like the game tonight looked. It was nothing but the AFC South. And actually, this game was probably, in the end, a little better than those games used to be. You remember Sunday Night Football, like early 2000s? Like when we first got to college and it was McGuire and Theismann? That, that, that had a little bit of a feel of, of tonight, too. Like way back in the day. I remember my grandma. This was even before we were in college. This is maybe like college, yeah. Yeah, like 99, 2000, 2001. Some of you listening might have been in college, but for us. Yeah, back, uh, I think when the NFL just viewed cable TV, not clearly not what it views like it now. And just because people like me, you people didn't have it. You had no way to see it. So the, the Sunday night game was a pretty random matchup. Like the Cowboys and the Niners and the Packers. If I remember correctly, you probably have to look through it. We're not really getting thrown on the Sunday night game. It felt like Texans versus the Panthers or random games like that. It wasn't, yeah. while it was a primetime game, it was kind of a throwaway game, it feels like. Still an NFL game, but you, you know what I mean. It always felt to me a little more like uh, like promoting. Like it was like, hey, we got a football game. You guys want to watch it? Like that's how yeah. it used to feel to me. Now you, it is yeah, so Did you ingrained. have cable in high school? No. No cable. All right. So I would have to go to somebody else's house. Yeah. Which I did I don't think I, I don't Usually think I had it. Yeah, I don't think I had it till like high school. I mean, how the fuck we live? I mean, I, what my parents doing? 
but you know, I don't know. I just sl- slow to adapt. Yeah, we actually were out, when my parents lived. Yes, growing up. Yeah, we couldn't get it. Like we had to get. We couldn't just get oh, basic you had to get, cable. Like, dish. Yeah, we had to get dish. So we originally got the dish. I'd never forget the guy put it on top of the roof, and it was huge. But it it was a game. I'm telling you, guy, game changer. Like what? Like I guess it was a little smaller than the one. Like not the big, big ones that people used to put in their in their yard. Or was yeah, it, it wasn't that big, but it was still pretty big. It's not like the little dish now. I think the quote unquote dish. It's not like that, but it's it's not like the Fire Stick or Apple TV. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but I'll just never forget because the Kings were getting kind of good. Like back when they only would show you know fifteen twenty you know NBA games, uh, even of your regional team getting the NBA package was like, damn, I can watch every game. That was sweet. Yeah, we never had that. We did not have that. I had one video gaming system as a kid. It was a Dreamcast that I bought for $35 off of AJ Riding with all the other games that he had left over. The, the Habermans uh, made you, you know, you guys uh, you guys had to earn your stripes in your home. So, I mean, so yep, we. Yep. Li- library card. Here you go, guy. Knock yourself hey, out. I, I used to get dropped off the library. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. All the books. Yeah, I mean, do libraries, do you think the library cards even exist now with kids? I don't know. I, I have one. But <laughs> yeah, I know. I think you're an outlier. I think most people yeah, just I, have. When I go to the library, I could tell that I'm an outlier. Yeah. Well, I well, I'll give you one. I bought five or six books this year. All of them have been audio books. Every single one. Yeah. Because I because I just know. No, I know. I I can buy a book on my iPad or my phone. I just won't read it. But I do an audio book. I will consume it. So you just no. I, I, you just I'm changing with the times. Times are changing with me. Maybe we're changing together. Like with ease and easewellness.com. <laughs> yeah. Promo code ham. Promo code I mean, ham. The world has changed, John, and uh, ease has been on the tip of the spear. Yeah. Tonight would have been a game that you see Verlander, Kate Upton there before the game, uh, BSing with JJ Watt. Maybe they were on a little ease.com promo code ham. Best delivery in the business, guy. Pre rolls, vapes, uppers, downers. Sleep aids, you name it, ease.com, promo code HAM. Uh, if you've already used the promo code, just tell your friends and then use them and get an order with them because it's only for first-time users. Depending on where you live, free delivery, over $50. Try, check it out, ease.com, promo code HAM. Also, their friends at CB, uh, easewellness.com, best CBD in the in the game, mm-hmm. guy. Easewellness.com, promo code HAM, CBD. Try it. D- dog treats, bath bombs, uh, you know, uh, lotions. For if you get a little arthritis, you know, I mean, hell, Tua probably already rubbing some CBD on his side. That just sounds like it's painful in your hip. Ugh. Uh, yeah, CBD, Tua. It, 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 trust me, if, if he needs some, Alabama has it for him, right? <laughs> Whatever just like, Tua. I just want a video of Tua, Tua with a face roller. You know what? No one ever says about Alabama players like, God, they're just getting the short end of the stick there with the resources. You know, it's like no one ever says that about the SEC football players. Like they're just the LSU guys or the the Georgia players, man. They're just going hungry at night. No, I think they're good. Remember when there was that uh, the the uh, uh, the velvet antler spray before the national championship game? Wasn't that Ray? Wasn't that? that Ray Lewis or guys so using college? Ray Lewis? Yeah, but there was an Alabama. I think it was before. Oh, yeah. I thought it was before the Notre Dame game. 
the difference too about the, I thought. The, yeah, the, I, I think yeah, it's, you're kind of sparking my memory here. It definitely started with Ray Lewis. They found some deer antler spray. That was the year. It's like Ray Lewis did like JJ Watt's injury, torn labrum, and it was like, oh yeah, I'll be back in four weeks. <laughs> like what? It's like yeah, he's just using this deer antler spray. And then, and then it must have siphoned down to Saban immediately. Probably saw that in the paper and, and ordered a bunch. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I just the the Alabama guys and the LSU guys and the Georgia guys and the Florida guys. We got a lot of problems in college football or just in college sports. It feels like all just controversies. Doesn't feel like there are many at like the four or five staples in the SEC. They're just just leave them alone. Let them treat their guys like they're going to treat them. Let them send a couple teams to the playoffs every year, and and all is good in the hood. Uh, this podcast also brought to you by Manscaped, number one in man's below man's men's below the belt grooming, precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Promo code ham, twenty percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com. I would imagine you know when you go in for surgeries, they usually have to shave you, you know, in that area because you got to get a clean cut. Maybe Tua got manscaped cool. just on the side. You know, if he's got a few stray hairs there, wonder if saving manscapes maybe he does in his older age. Uh, just manscaped.com promo code ham. I, I get a lot of people asking me, do they give you beard trimmers? Yeah. They give you different length, you know? So if you, hell you could, you trim your hair at different lengths. You can just go straight and trim your face, trim your, trim your body, trim your, I got, I get some back hairs, you know, I'm going to Hawaii mm. next week. I got to sometimes You're flexible you know, enough to get back there. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I usually stretch before and then do a hot steam shower, <laughs> so you really loosen up and then you just take the yeah. Mach three and you don't even know where you're going at. Work your way down, like you know, your butt. And you, I got, I get the little tramp stamp, but it's just a tramp stamp of hairs. So you just, mm-hmm. you know, for a bald guy, I got more hairs in random places, except on top of my head. I, I just, if if I ever meet my maker, I'll ask him, like, how do you decide how this works? Because I, I got hair everywhere, <laughs> and I just die for a couple more strands up top. But it's not, it's not the hand I was dealt. Yeah, manscaped.com, promo code ham, uh, lawnmower 2.0. Yeah. I, I call it the best in the business because I uh, I believe in it. I use it. I've used it multiple times this week, actually. Uh, so, yeah. Promo code ham. 20% Promo code ham. off. There 20% you go. off. Uh, doesn't it feel like – I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like anybody I run into that wants to talk about sports, uh, the first thing that comes up right now is the San Francisco 49ers. I thought I you were going to say like Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, yeah, I was kidding. Yeah. No. Specifically, Jimmy. Specifically, Jimmy. Uh, but you know, this this is a big Jimmy game. I, I uh, there were a couple quotes this week from Kyle that I thought were pretty great. But before we get to that, I mean, we've talked so much about. I, the I started. I started to get probably when they were like six and zero. You would see people, and I you just started to get a lot. Is this team for real? Is this team for real? I think it was almost too good to be true. And then once they got to nine and zero, and the Seattle, or I guess it was eight and zero before the Seattle game, I got a lot of, especially at the gym, is where I see a lot of just male machismo, bravado guys asking about football. Can this team win the Super Bowl? Can this team go to Miami? It's like, well, let's just see how the Seattle game goes. I think it, it didn't bring yeah. people back to earth, but it's just like, yeah, it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be difficult, you know. It's and my gym, I get a lot of. I would say it's split evenly between like Oregon football, some Raiders, and some Niners in the gym. A lot of Raider fans in my gym uh, who want to talk about the Raiders. 
I, I got a bunch of Raider fans. And then a couple Oregon Ducks too. fans. Raider fans I meet in real life seem to be seem to be happier than the ones I run across on Twitter. <laughs> They're always like, God, yeah, you know, I really like this Josh Jacobs guy. Or they'll even like ask about other guys. Like, damn, did you see how good is DeAndre Hopkins? They'll just bring up random football players. You just have random football conversations. You know, like how good is that quarterback at Alabama? They just have cordial conversations. It's not like that on social media, guy. Not for all of us. No. <laughs> no. This, the mean streets get get aggressive. But this game, uh, safe to say, there's going to be a lot of people watching Sunday Night Football. You see the PR guy at ESPN. I think we already knew this. It was the highest rated Monday Night game of the year. Uh, I got a wow. text. I got a text. Monday Night Football, which up until the Niners played on it, had been losing to Thursday Night Football. You're getting beat every single week by uh, Troy, Joe, and whatever game they were calling. And then, who did the Niners go up against that week? Oh, the Raiders. Uh, And then last week, the Niners did a pretty massive, massive number. It's like, people always, I'm not even going to go down the rabbit hole, but, you know, just a lot of people watch this team. It's just, someone actually tweeted earlier this game, or earlier this week to like one of sports business journals guys, you know, where he thought a couple of these games could rank. Cause the matchups for TV wise are Cowboys Patriots is a CBS afternoon game of the week. And then Niners Packers, the highest rated regular season NFL game in the last, maybe I forwarded you this tweet in the last, what would it be? 30 years. Do you know what it was? Hmm. Niners Giants 1990 40 plus million wow. people watched remember we were talking yeah. like how different television was it's hard to make it relative like if you get 25 million people to watch your product in 2019 it's more impressive than if 25 million people would have watched in 1990 because that number if you're getting that many people you that number is probably going to be higher like that I mean it it was the peak of Bill Walsh in Montana Parcells and LT. It does make sense when you look back. Like, it's New York, 49ers, kind of in the peak of their dynasties. Uh, but that's 40-plus million people. Highest-rated regular season game ever. The, the Niners yeah, these are, just are involved just... in a lot of these games. People always like, yeah. what? You guys spend so much time on the Niners? I was like, yeah, just a lot of fucking people watch. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's like... Do a lot of people say that to you? No, no, not really. Just on Twitter. Or do you just again. have your defense ready in case somebody says? Yeah, it just to you? it just ha- it just happens on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, most people understand because uh, you're watching the Niners. You know, so we talked a lot about the specifically some of the player matchups. You wrote about it for people that haven't seen it in the Athletic. The matchup with the Packers, um, Kittle back at practice, among others. And I was I was just curious. I look back at, and the Raiders were a part of this, but I just pulled out the games that the Packers have played a handful of the best tight ends in the NFL so far this year and I and I pulled the games and but just went to look at how the tight ends played in those games so they played I pulled the Packers the Eagles the Raiders right the Chiefs the Chargers and the Panthers some of the best I think, tight ends I think in the Waller, NFL had a, Waller had a big game in that game didn't he he did so of those six games three times the tight end was the leading receiver for the team that the Packers played um, Ertz was the leading receiver for the Eagles. He had seven for 65, eight targets. N- not amazing. Waller, like you said, it was awesome. Seven for 126. He had one huge touchdown. He had scored two touchdowns in the game. Kelsey was four for 63, but he had a touchdown. Hunter Henry led the Chargers. He had seven catches for 84 yards. 
In, in fairness to Kelsey, not defending Kelsey or anything, he doesn't need it. He was playing with Matt Moore, not Mahomes, right in that game. For what? Yeah, it's and worth. He, and by the way, he's got Tyreek Hill on the team. But no, that's worth that's yeah. worth worth saying. Um, and the Panthers, Greg Olson was eight for ninety-eight. Now he took the week off from Fox uh, to play in the game. No, he also did the post-game <laughs> interview of himself. Gotcha. Uh, Kittle has. Had some really good games, obviously. He has not had a multi-catch, uh, double-digit catch game since week one against Tampa Bay. So I know he's a little banged up. Kyle was asked, is it the ankle or the knee that's given him more issues? Did you see? And Kyle said yes. Um, But I I, I think this sets up for Kittle to have a, a big game on Sunday Night Football. And, and part of it, John, I do think part of this with him, as you know, he is kind of just a WWE, bright lights, primetime guy. Yeah, I think he is. He's like, uh, to me, he feels like he's going to have a McAfee-type post-game, post-playing career. But obviously, he's going to play a lot longer. But he's got just some special qualities to him. But for all the BS, and there's, I mean, there's really no BS. But just, you know, he just kittle the people's tight end. It's got a little Gronk-ish feel, even though it's different. He, you're right. I mean, that lights come on. He is out for fucking blood. I, I, I wrote this. I'm not a game planner. I'm just a evaluator of players, and I understand matchups. To me, he's the guy that you got to throw to. Like, who's covering him on their team? You know what's crazy about the Packers is their weak link is Blake Martinez, Stanford linebacker, who's second in the league in tackles. That's like that's a weak link, and I everyone's like he's just a stiff. Like, yeah, he's quote unquote. He's not. Terrible. Like I mean, I I've seen some weak links, you know, and that's if that's your weak link, you're okay. I mean, the Raiders and Niners the last like five years have had some quote unquote weak links. Like he's right. not terrible. Now he's not going to cover Kittle. Could can their other safeties? Uh, Savage, the kid they drafted. I, I that's a question mark. But like to me, because the wide receiver situation, you got Debo's banged up, Emmanuel Sanders is banged up. Their corners are really good. Like, is is they're going to try to run it on these guys? But what if you can't run it? Because we've seen, and Kyle asked, Kyle was asked today. I was watching some of the press conference. You know, the first like seven, eight weeks of the season, they were easily leading the league in rushing. In the last couple weeks, they've obviously thrown the ball a lot more. And he's like, you know, you don't really set out when the season starts that we're going to lead the league in rushing or we're going to throw it. You just kind of goes game by game. He's like, I rush it when it works. <laughs> you know, you just stick with the rush. If I'm if we're gashing you through the air, like, for example, they've done th- with Arizona two of the last three weeks. Like, Jimmy's had just big games, right? He had four touchdowns last week. I don't remember how many touchdowns he threw on that Thursday night game, but it was his best game as a Niner. It was like three or four, right? He's killed them. You just... You do what works. So, to me, you go in. That's what's great about football. Did you see Belichick quoted Eisenhower this week? Because he asked all these questions. He's like, yeah, you just prepare for everything. And then once you get into battle, you just hopefully your preparation has put you in position to make adjustments on the fly. Like, you don't know how the battle is going to go. You just tell all the troops and the battleships and the planes and the helicopters to show up. Then they may have a certain thing that maybe you can't use helicopters because they got RPGs. So you got to take the ground troops. You know, that's that's the crazy thing about a football game is that I'd say, yeah, I think Kittle is going to have a massive game. 
what if Mike Pettin has installed some crazy defense just because I, I know this, if I was playing George Kittle and the 49ers, or if I was playing the 49ers and Kittle's coming back, which did you see some of those videos people were tweeting today? He was looked like he was moving around pretty well. And he said after the after practice, like in the locker room, you know, he was kind of playing PC football player, like it's up to the coaches, he's playing. I, I would have two guys follow him wherever he goes. Like, okay, Kendrick Bourne, if we're gonna if you're gonna beat us on Sunday night football in front of thirty million people, we'll tip our hat to you. Okay, you're going to play Pettis or Marquise Goodwin? Because you're going to have to play one of them if, if Emmanuel Sand we'll Let one of those guys beat us. 85? No fucking way. And we pay all this money to these linebackers to make tackles in the run game. But in the pass game, 85 is not beating us. If we got two guys chasing them, we'll do it. I, I don't understand. I was talking with a buddy two days ago. So the thing that's crazy about Waller and Kittle is they consistently get wide open for the Niners and Raiders. Like, these guys have established themselves. They're the two of the best tight ends in the league on teams that don't exactly have, like, Tyreek Hill and Julio Jones around. How how are you not following them everywhere? I get a blown coverage here and there, like the Hopkins touchdown on the first play or on his first touchdown tonight where the guy just kind of stopped, and that happens. But it with Kittle especially, like, he's consistently pretty wide open. Now, remember he told us a lot of it's Kyle – you know, telling him like, yeah, Listen, I, you run here. And a lot maybe of that's it, it. I do remember when he told us that on this podcast, John, George, George Kittle, Kittle, when he was yeah. on the podcast. Um, Don't you think part of it though, is both those guys are also physical freaks. So it's Kyle who can scheme them. They're also physically just difficult to run with to, to strong arm. And then both those teams run the football really well. Yeah. So especially with George, who's used as a blocker so much, that you just have to make decisions maybe uh, where you think there is a run coming and it's not a run coming. It's just something to get you to bite so George can get a step past you. Well, didn't didn't we say this uh, for like seven years about Gronk? Like, how is Gronk open? <laughs> it's like, well, like you said, one, he's a dominant blocker. So they do play action. You're you're keying on the block. And two, he's six foot five, 260 pounds, and he's faster than the guy you have covering him. So, yeah, he's just be- like – how does James Harden score 50 again? I don't know. He can't be stopped. <laughs> you know? Sometimes their players are just better than your players, right? Yeah. You know? And two, have two guys follow him. Okay, well, but still, even that can be... Two guys run with one guy is not easy for the two guys necessarily. Yeah, because it's One not of them natural. does the wrong thing, and now it's just one-on-one again. Or they run into each other. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's... Teaser said they're done. But isn't that always a go-to? Like, double-team them! That's, I, mean, I, I worked at the... I was, everyone always yeah, throws that out. Brackets. Yeah. Brackets. What if Belichick does it? That's another thing that always gets thrown out. Well, Bill would take yeah. him away. <laughs> that's, that's always a go-to. It's it's just double team him, or like Belichick would take him away. That, those are the two. Whether you work in the NFL, whether you you're sitting on the couch with seven buddies, whether you're tweeting by yourself, everyone always says the same shit. It doesn't matter if you're in a front office, fucking next to Andy Reid. Whether you're with Billy at the bar, every the same quotes are said everywhere you go with football. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of, like, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, there's a book. If you want to know what Jesus would do, there's a book. It's got the instructions. What would Bill do? There isn't a book with the instructions. The Bill does stuff he's never put on film before, just like in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Well, what would Bill do? I don't know. I'm not Bill. Well, were you uh, – I, like, went to grab something. I came back in one of the commercials for – the top 100 players was on, you know, that mm-hmm. he did without yeah. They shot this summer. Mm-hmm. And it's Jim Brown's in there. I guess they're going to do the running backs, top 20 running backs. 
Maybe they do top 20 guys at every position. Maybe that's the way they did it. Uh, however they did it, I'm going to watch. And then they come back to break, and Aikman's like, yeah, it's going to be pretty fascinating. Everyone's going to be pretty locked in to hear what Bill says on all these players whenever they start running this. And you realize you really don't get to hear Bill like go in depth and just say shit. It's a unique viewing experience. You know, you he's going to say shit like, that's uh, going to go viral about players that's going to be like, damn, Bill thinks that? Uh, Barry Sanders, he's uh, a good player. Well, he said Jim Brown was sitting right next to him. He asked him if he could Dan use Reno's him like, next week. <laughs> I, see, I think Bill like, <laughs> light, lightens up a little in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I hope. I mean, he is a great kind of football historian. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's the only I, guy I did feels hear, like could give us, he could give a strengths and weaknesses on every player since like 1970. Every single player. I did player, hear right? one of the – one of the things that uh, uh, PJ Fleck does is he, I guess he's like a history buff or like a social studies teacher. I think, oh, I know what it is. I guess PJ says when people say like, what would you do if you weren't coaching football? He says, I'd be a sixth grade social studies teacher. Yeah. So I've heard one thing he does is, uh, is he connects like the game plan every week to like some historical figure or some historical moment like Abe Abe Lincoln had to give a speech and you know and he'll start going on and on and on and on. he's in Philadelphia it's pouring rain you know and somehow he relates it to whatever their the narrative is in the building for the game that week on like Sunday when he introduces the new opponent to the team yeah when he does it with the team yeah like on the you know the projector overhead projector if he's still using that but that's pretty good. All coaches love that stuff. And the, but to your point, there's because there's a, there's there's a lot to it in terms of I think just the in-game adjustments. Now Kyle just wants to I don't think Kyle's Kyle just wants to coach football and scheme you up that way. He doesn't need to give it a bigger narrative, but Well, you, there used to be it. when I worked in Philly, there was like uh like the team media guide or whatever. For all the executives and coaches, they'd ask a couple questions favorite restaurant what's your dog's name what's your favorite hobby and if you weren't in football what would you be trying to do and right. most coaches would be well i'd be trying to get into football you know it's a classic coach it's a classic football guy answer well i'd do whatever i have to do to coach football like i remember they had mike zimmer on some like football life they'd be like what would you do if you weren't coaching football and he thought for a second he'd be like i'd be working to try to get into football like that's all these guys know <laughs> And that's 100% Kyle. Like, Kyle, what are your other options? He'd tell you, I don't have any other options. Like, I, there's nothing. This is it. Like, I am. And this is my first thought. And it's much. Like, Kyle, if the NFL didn't work out, he could work in college. He could go fucking coach high school. Like, he could, do, he could coach at all levels. He'd, he's got a job now at minimum for the next 30 years calling offensive plays, he said. But I remember when I first left the NFL, I'm like, what are my options? Like, I can talk about defensive linemen I like other sports too like what, what what do I do well like what would you put on a resume like what industry am I going to then you realize kind of all your luckily chips are every in the, interview you do yeah your chips are in the middle of the table you know you just you're just like this I'm but it. I was I gonna say it. luckily every every interview you do the person you're talking to nine times out of ten is just happy to talk football you might just get the job 100 percent. and that's you know like you told me <laughs> like if you're gonna get pigeonholed anything get pigeonholed the sport where you got 20 million people watching every game Right, 
Yeah. Yep. And uh, I, know, I always, you'd be like, I don't want to get, I want to talk hoop. I want to break down hoops. I don't want to be pigeonholed. I'm like, who cares? Be the hoop. I want to talk baseball. I want them to respect me when I talk about the, the lefty righty matchup. Like, that used no, to bother me. I, well, I get kicked off. Like, why? And I, as someone who loves the lefty righty matchup discussion. Yeah, you realize it doesn't matter. But it used to like, they're letting Ann Killian talk about Bumgarner. I've been watching this goddamn team longer than her. And you realize, fuck, who gives a shit? You know, especially when you realize, I actually like doing those shows, but I, I always just wanted a little respect. I'm not saying they're not fun. Yeah, and they're not interesting. I'm just saying you can just do football, and that's good enough. That's it's doing everything else together. But I like the other – I mean, and you like the other stuff too. Anyway, well, I, I think when you're about? around football guys, like like Kyle, you just like, I can't be like that because they just it's all-consuming. Like, from the moment they roll out of bed at, like, 5.30, it's thinking about, like, what do I have to do to get Dante Pettis to be a little bit better this week so I can even think about playing him on a second down pass play that I thought of last night at 3 in the morning. It's like, that's the way these guys fucking think. And then this week, I'm telling you, this week, it's pretty crazy. The What was that book, like, Three Degrees from Kevin Bacon or something? Remember how, like, all of Hollywood uh, yeah, was connected uh, or everyone? Something degrees, like that. Six degrees? That, six this, degrees? Five degrees? This coaching seven, matchup seven. this weekend, guy, Matt LaFleur was hired with the Houston Texans because they needed an offensive quality control guy. And listen to Kyle talk. He's like, yeah, Kubiak didn't want to spend much time looking for the guy, so we just we asked Robert Sala, who was the defensive quality control guy, if he knew anybody. And the guy he knew was Matt LaFleur, who he worked with at Central Michigan, who where Joe Staley was. And he's like, yeah, we interviewed a couple other guys. LaFleur got the job. Then LaFleur became Kyle's buddy. And then Kyle took him to Washington and also met his brother, who's also on the Niner staff. Robert Sala then left. And then they got reconnected. Then Matt LaFleur gets the Packer job. I mean, Mike Pettin, when Kyle was out of a job in Washington, hired him to be his offensive coordinator. That That's what's – clearly there's a lot of high-level coaches in this game, just in terms of, like, if Kyle respects you, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt you're a pretty high-level guy. So, LaFleur, his family, clearly. I mean, Kyle brought his brother on his staff. Robert Sala's proven to be pretty high level. I always thought Mike Pettin, because when I was with the Eagles, we used to play the Jets, and Rex Ryan, back when he had the number one defense in the league, his defensive coordinator was Mike Pettin. I've always thought he kind of got a bad rap with the way things happened in Cleveland. Remember, you and I defended him when he was like, played Tom Sula, and then he beat Tom Sula, and he's like, People are acting like our building's on fire. Damn, look at them. Remember that quote? It, it was, I, you know what's funny about that? Is I went looking for that quote like three weeks ago. I went trying to find it. I couldn't find it. Like the video of it. Because I remember I, I, watching it and just yeah, cracking like, up. Yeah, he's basically like, you guys think we're fucked up. Check out the Niners. I, I'd never heard a coach say anything like <laughs> no, that. No, and it was – and he, he, honestly, he was right. But clearly he's, he was you right. know, pr- pretty impressive individual. And – you know, one thing that's fascinating just about coaching, sometimes, like, Kyle, everyone in the league would say Kyle's better than Matt LaFleur, even though we don't have that much information on Matt. But Kyle, you feel his presence every game, like running the crazy plays. But his first two years, he got his ass kicked. Now, he makes way more money than Matt, I would imagine. Matt probably makes like 4 or $5 million. Kyle makes like seven and a half. But Matt's going to be one year into the league. He's going to the playoffs. I mean, he wins this week. It has a solid finish. Who's to say the Packers couldn't be the one seed? Like, sometimes, yeah, he didn't make as much your first opportunity, but his first opportunity was Aaron freaking Rodgers and a roster that 
they just had, they had a really good offseason. They landed two sweet pass rushers. They had Devontae Adams. They had a good offensive line. You know, Kevin King started getting better. They had Alexander. They draft Savage. They just it all kind of came together immediately. You know, it happened with yeah, Sean look, McVay too. Maybe he's really good right away. Maybe he'll get better, and the fact that they're good enough gives him the time to get as good as he needs to be for maybe when Aaron's not as good and it's got to be more about him. But I would say one thing that was pretty clear early from Kyle, because we had the questions, is he a head coach? Is he a personnel guy? One thing was pretty clear, though. He he did have his fingerprints all over every game, right? Even when they were bad. In a he'd, run, way, he'd run a couple right? sweet plays to get a touchdown from Nick Mullins. He'd be like, God, he's competing with Nick Mullins, right? Exactly. Yeah. So... Um, I do but think he, another sneaky part of this game. But but he oh, was lucky, if you look back, like that it was so ugly because, as Petten said, their building was basically on fire and they were a laughing stock that he was going to get some time. Because like if it was going okay and he had like replaced Harbaugh, it would have been pretty ugly. He, he was lucky he actually came in on a smooth where you could be draft two years in a row in the top ten. Right. Yeah. And I'd say mo- and most of us, hell, me and you were like, I'm telling you. He is a top. If they had a coaching draft, would he make it past the top five? And people would always be like, "Well, he's fucking won three total games." And he'd be like, "I'm telling you." And finally, you just have this year. But not every. Sometimes when you're a McVay or even a Lafleur, like there's a chance Lafleur, let's say his first three years, he makes the playoffs every year, and you just maybe you know every year they get bounced in the first second round, and he gets an extension, you know, and it's like, well, is he that good, or he just inherit Aaron Rodgers, like you inherited LeBron, you know? Like, is McVay going to make the playoffs the next two or three years? Maybe not. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like one thing Kyle didn't have to deal with was high expectations, whereas that is now what McVay, air quotes, brought it on himself. But well, Kyle, his Kyle, credit, Kyle will have the one that raised the bar. He will, but he will have raised the bar. LaFleur didn't even get to raise the bar. The bar is just high because he's got Aaron and we're talking about play calls and we think Aaron's difficult and all this stuff, right? You, you could, uh, yeah. It, it, Who, you don't do this to Aaron Rodgers, you know, that in, kind of in defense, in defense of LaFleur, it's a hard job. Like it was, you're right. The expectations are sky high. People were fucking peppering him in OTAs. It's his job was way more intense than McVay's. You agree? But more intense, but the counter to that would be, but he has clearly, they know what the blueprint for a good football team is. And they gave him one. The Packers. In Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah. I think Gouda right now, be pretty good. Right now, 32 GMs have to choose between Kyle and Sean McVay. Well, I, <laughs> there's an element of this with GMs because the coach makes more money than you. And if he if you're successful, he becomes more powerful. Like the Kyle we see with the media is not always, I think, the Kyle that you know when the lights are off and he's just in okay, there grinding. Yeah. I think, I think Sean. But is you know what I'm the, asking? Yeah, I'm just I, saying I if I'm, I said that before the season, it'd be like you know twenty five seven, Sean. Yes, I think right now from a coaching perspective it would be heavily in Kyle's favor. But I think people would be like, well, yeah. is he going to fire me after a year? You know, is he going to see all that? But that's just, that's part of, like, that's that's what people were saying about Parcells. That's what people say about Belichick. You know, people forget this. I mean, hell, I didn't know when I was, like, in junior high. By Andy's second year in Philly, their second year, remember their first year he drafts Donovan McNabb. By the second year they're competing for the playoffs, they're like, they realize they kind of have something. He kind of makes a power play and gets the GM booted because, like, I think Who the BYU, the GM? 
Well, some old, old guy. You wouldn't even, I don't even gotcha. recognize the name. He was like six years old yeah. at the time. And B, the BYU job came open. So his agent, which is also Kyle's and LaFleur's and Gruden's, was good at leveraging a little bit, was like, you know, if he doesn't get a little more juice, you know, the Mormons are calling. John Smith's calling. And then that guy was gone, and Andy never looked back, and he's had a bunch of juice ever since. But so just Kyle's not alone. I mean, coaches like – they like their juice. I mean, we we watched one and I were recording this Thursday night. I, I root for the guy, but Bill Bill loves his power. You look Times have changed, though. What what guy is getting leverage over an NFL team by holding an open college job over their head now? It's different that way for sure. I mean, it's but I think their leverage of just you want me, give me the juice. That yeah, it, it's yeah. I it, just, it, the idea that a Mountain West school would take an NFL coach now. Yeah, t- times have changed. <laughs> times have changed. Uh, the other thing I think to watch for Sunday, and I, I just thought of this while we while we while we've been talking is I, I I'd even say, do, do you think it'd be unprecedented moving forward? I guess you never say never. A coach leaving the pros to college again. Saban did it in the two thousands. Well, Remember, I do think Gruden, at the high Gruden, end of college football, Gruden flirted they can with afford it to. with Notre Dame. At the high end of college football, they can't afford to. They can. You're saying like right. a Notre Dame or Alabama can pay to steal them. Right. But I'm saying if you're good enough, I guess Harbaugh did it. Yeah, and but Harbaugh I, didn't really – that was not the same thing. No, because he wasn't pimping himself. Like he could have got another job in the NFL if he wanted. The Niners weren't begging him to come back. No. If he told the, whoever, like, hey, I'm. Oh, it's open season, bidding war, I'll stay in the league, he could have. Yeah. Um. Other sneaky thing Sunday, John. I think Al Michaels is going to be really excited for this game. Why do you think that? Well, just because I think the Niners being good is going to excite him. Like, Niners-Packers is going to remind him of Favre and Steve Young. You know, like, I think he's going to feel like 90s. In his body, he's going to feel like 90s Al calling this game. San Francisco is big to him. Like, he, he's had some of his big moments in the Bay Area. I think he... I think he. I'm not saying he favors the 49ers like against the Packers, but I think he he favors clearly L.A. That's where he lives, but he also favors the Bay Area. He's from the Bay Area. You think he'll drive? Uh, and so the Niners. I don't think he'll drive. <laughs> Maybe he'll drive. <laughs> no, he won't. Take the Madden cruise. But but he's from the Bay Area. I think he really favor. I think he's going to be really excited when we turn this game on on Sunday night. This is. Uh... I'm not saying he's ever not excited, but I think it's going to feel. Every bit as big as you can imagine, it's going to feel Sunday Night Football. I mean, it's freaking Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, do you think the Niners are going to win? Um, I don't know because I, I really kind of cl- when I close my eyes sometimes, I envision Aaron Rodgers doing just some stupid shit that's like, whoa. <laughs> well, you envision the Seahawks game, kind of right from yeah, just a ca- quarterbacking standpoint. Yeah, close it in it like. Russell made some plays in that game with his arm, clearly. That little – the thing that my phone went most viral with, just watching all you guys tweet, was when he threw the little layup pass, the little looper, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the back of the end zone to Hollister. And everyone's Hollister's like, oh my, oh, my God. Was that the great like, – how did he just do that? But he had a couple where he scrambled. To me, that's where Rodgers – won't scramble past the line of scrimmage. He'll like keep the play alive, and then he'll just throw like this forty-yard rope to 
Lazard or some guy you've never heard of. Who, it was like, how did that just happen? And if the Niners can limit Jack that, Peterson to like, will be there. Uh, yeah. Well, who did the Packers play? He was at one of their games this week. Or no, maybe I, I think saw he's him be there. Yeah, he was at Rams practice. He'll be there. I mean, that's his guy, Devontae. Yeah, but don't you think he grew up a Niner fan? Uh, we yeah, probably you, the answer is probably out there somewhere. I've never seen it. Yeah, you you'd think not. he was, but I, I think Devonte is like his guy. You know, I'd be yeah, they're, they're sh- I'd be shocked. Like Devonte, did they play the Brewers two years ago in a playoff series or late? Like Devonte was there. I would be shocked if he's not not wearing a Devonte jersey like on the sideline or something pregame. But you know, I I understand it. You know, your loyalty is your friends, not your team. And uh, I like Jock, but I don't know. I, I I just I kind of envision the Packers winning this game. How many points? How many points? I I think it's got to be the over number f- while you're while we're talking. Do you know what the over under is? Well, I clicked on my bookie and it was. I think this. I gotta let him know that I think the site's down. <laughs> By the time this pot is up, hopefully that's not an issue. Yeah, it'll it'll probably be uh probably be I, I don't know. My guess would be like fifty. I think I got it right here. Yeah. So you think you you're thinking like twenty eight points is what it takes to win the game. The Packers, man, they they can score some points. They got I mean Yeah, I, but I both teams play defense. I know but the Niners defense is It's it's different though. Dropping like flies. Yeah, and the it one is. thing that would help the 49ers out, I was talking with Papa or texting with him, is like Balaga and Bakhtiari, the two tackles for the Packers, they're kind of physical guys. Like speed rushers will give them trouble. And D. Ford missing this game, which all signs point to, is a pretty big loss. Like it's mm-hmm. – you just need D. Ford, you know, like you signed him for this, Right. For this game, just to give you 15 snaps yeah. and get five pressures on them. And maybe, even if you don't sack them, just, you know, maybe cause a pick because you're flying in there and he's getting rid of the ball. Like, he, that was a sneaky big loss. Him for this game, right? Because you'd want to be fully equipped with those four guys in a in a 20-20 game in the fourth quarter. Or, hell, you're up seven and they got a pass. You're like, here's 91-99. 55 and 97. Let's fucking go. And not having that guy it becomes a little like you got to rot- you got to play Solomon a little more. You just got to play lesser guys. I mean, it's D Ford. He's the best part-time player in the NFL. <laughs> you know, it's it's a million dollar <laughs> Yeah, 50 million dollars. Yeah. Uh, DH. I mean, he's playing like 15 snaps a game. By the way, did you see the White Sox signed uh Yes, yeah, biggest, Grandall, biggest like, contract in the history of their franchise. And it was like seventy three or seventy eight million. I was like, that's the biggest contract in the history of your franchise? That's embarrassing. Is it embarrassing? Kind of yes. is, though. Yeah, it is. Yes. The the highest paid player in the history of your franchise is Yasmani Grandall. because wouldn't you say it's it's also an indication that like have you guys not produced good players in the last twenty years to keep? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It's just crazy. Well, why do they always do they so, always trade good players before they get extension eligible? Like what? By the way, I, here's the other offshoot of that. I was watching uh, the Duke Cal game, which I know you were watching some of it on Thursday night, and uh, Dan Dockich was calling the game. Yeah, and he said that he's like, you know, 
Coach K is just always evolving. Like, he always has his finger on the pulse. He's like, I remember we played them in, like, 96 or 97 or something, and one of the assistants called us, even though it was, like, our road game or our home game, and we got to choose the jerseys, and the assistant called and said, we want to wear black. And I was like, why do they want to wear black? Well, it turns out the White Sox black jerseys were the hottest-selling jerseys, like, in sports that year, apparently. This is the docket story. And Duke knew that, and so they wanted to wear black because that was just cool at that time. The coolest. So, so Doc has let him. He, he let him wear the black jersey. He didn't, he didn't finish care. that. He didn't tell whether he let him or not. But that was it. Was just the story about Coach K. Anyway, uh, over under forty eight from what I'm seeing here on ESPN.com. Niners favored by three points. Um, like I actually think that yeah, line. I, I think the line should probably be a little higher. Like, given the Niners are 9-1, they've been pretty consistent. Really? Yeah, to me, that number probably should be, like, at least four. You think it's just See, an I even game? I feel like game? it should be two and a half. You yeah, think the Packers I think it should be? be? I mean, the Niners are at home. I mean, three is maybe exactly right. Just, it'd be three if it was in Green Bay, and it'd be pick them if it was neutral. Maybe that's yeah, exactly right. I I mean, I think that's that feels right to me. Just given that if if you told me the Niners defense was healthy, I wouldn't say that. But you put you put any stock in the game last year on Monday night when they played like shit. Remember, and Mullins almost beat them, or maybe it was CJ Beth or no. whoever the hell was playing. <laughs> Just because. Well, I mean, I say they didn't. Pe- they didn't have I the mean, Smith I, brothers. I mean, they were a lot different team. Yeah, but maybe what matters is just that Robert Sala has prepared for Aaron Rodgers before. Was Aaron the quarterback of that game? He was. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's what matters. I don't know. Yeah, but their schemes changed a little bit. I, I they were. I was watching some of the Sala press conference, and this is always a challenge. I think when you play new coaching staffs, you know that you've worked with. He's like, you got to be careful about not overthinking about just conversations you've had with these guys over the years about football <laughs> philosophies. You know, and just. Yeah. You are what you are on tape, especially at this point in time in in the season. He's like, you can't – we are what we are. They are kind of are what they are. You can't overthink it. That's what's so hard. That's what Belichick's get back to the Eisenhower quote. Like, you can prepare, and I think Belichick over-prepares. Like, he he would prepare for everything these guys have done the last – like, in their coaching careers. It's got to be really hard right. to be a New England Patriot. But they don't use a lot of that stuff. But they're always ready for it. You know, but, like, how do you prepare for – I guess it's different. When you play the Patriots, it's a little bit like playing the Chris Peterson Boise State teams. Like, you know, they could bust a trick play at any moment a double pass, a double reverse. Like, they do that consistently. For the most part, when I just close my eyes and think Aaron Rodgers' teams, now a lot of it's McCarthy, but even watching this year, he's kind of their trick play. And that's a great part about having, like, in all your years of watching Russell Wilson, do you remember them running that many trick plays? You don't really need to when you have Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. because they fucking right. do the extraordinary shit. Well, did like you Tom, see the Patriots ran? Like, did you see one the Patriots ran where Tom threw a double pass? It was like into coverage. It didn't really work last when? week. No, I didn't. It was before the Edelman throw. They ran like a flea flicker, and he's like, didn't so they work. ran. That, see, that's what I would say is the most impressive thing about them. They were they didn't really do anything on offense most of the day. They definitely couldn't get in the end zone because it was like ten nine for a majority of the game until Edelman hit that pass and they got the two point conversion to make it seventeen to nine. They will run trick plays kind of relentlessly to get shit going. Like they just won't run one. I didn't. I I watched the game. I wasn't paying attention. So they ran a flea flicker and a double pass. Like that's 
you could say, like, have the 49ers run a trick play really this season? I'm not talking, like, end arounds. I'm talking flea flickers and double passes. Like, you could go all season long and run two double passes. The Patriots will run, like, three in a game. They won't hesitate. They'll do whatever it takes to win. And that's what I think. We got, like, you know Ky- what? Does Kyle have any of that shit in his back? Like, to me, this is a yeah, kind of think kitchen sink I think game. Pettis is, I think Pettis is throwing a pass this week, John. Do you believe that? Uh, I mean, it was just the first thing that came to my mind. Something you, deep from my gut. I don't know why yeah. I think that. But you think Pettis is on the team next year? Mm, I don't think the odds are good. No, I don't either. I bet he gets traded for like conditional seventh. You know, Belichick is basically be is, is Eminem from Eight Mile, B Rabbit, where he like comes out and he just says all the stuff that you were gonna say against him, and then you got <laughs> nothing, and then he's like, Clarence went to Cranbrook. That's a private school. You're like, fuck. How does he find my biggest weakness and expose me? You know, we get we get Kyle Belichick next year. They play. I was playing golf with my guy Scotty Raber and my brother Jeff. And you know, it shows, sometimes you just with a the fan, they're just on different. They're on a different level than you. They're like, he's like, did you see the schedule next year? I'm like, next year. I'm just fucking trying to make it to the at the time to like the Cardinal game. I'm like, no, I'm trying to think about topics. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the opponents. He's like, I, NFC and AFC East. And then my mind goes, well, that's actually kind of easy, you know, because the Giants suck, the Redskins suck, Eagles kind of in shambles. You got the Bills; their defense is good. Patriots are sweet. Jets are just whatever, and the Dolphins aren't going to be any good. So I, I was like, God, I look at kind of easy. But you get the Patriots. That game's in New England next year. So what, what we're we talking about, like the fourth hole. But I, it's hard Sometimes for me to go big need the fans to go deep. I know. They're just, their minds are in different places. Me. I'm like, God, just trying to see I'm if watching they can. Fox 11 sports wrap after the game, John, in L.A. Yeah. Just had a full screen graphic up for 20 seconds that said, it's just a headshot of Phillip Rivers, and it says, which will happen first? Philip announces his retirement plus one twenty, or his wife is pregnant with baby number ten minus one sixty. I, I feel like that up. I feel like he won't really like that type of shit. No wonder he hates L.A. You think he's into like them making fun of him on TV like that? No. Now, granted, he's not in L.A. Right? He's at home in San Diego. But I feel like they didn't make fun of him like that in San Diego, don't you, Matt? Like, no chance. That's kind of fucked up. Uh. All right, so yeah, I, I'm, I agree with you. It's like he's taking enough hits here, people. I know, just just let him be. He didn't play well. He started, he threw seven picks in the last two weeks. Just leave him alone. Um. All right, so obviously a big part of Sunday Night Football comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo. It's what everybody I, – I, it feels to me like everybody talks about this guy constantly. I get asked about him constantly if I start talking football with somebody. Um. And so here's two two different quotes from Kyle Shanahan about – Jimmy Garoppolo that made news this week. One, he got asked about the two red zone interceptions, baby zone, John, interceptions against the Cardinals. And uh, this is what he said, Kyle. I think it's part of football. You get used to that stuff. What's more frustrating to me is when a guy can't make any plays and a guy can't throw it at all and you just sit there and you're beating your head against the wall for three and a half hours. So it's nice when they do make a lot of plays and do some good stuff, but some bad plays come with that. I understand that. I think Jimmy will get better in that area. So that's one quote. Then the other thing he got asked about was just how he's, you know, what he thinks of Jimmy in general this year. 
He said, I knew it would start out slow for him this year, like it goes for everyone coming off an ACL, especially for a guy who, in my opinion, was almost a rookie. I know he played less rookie quarterbacks. Uh, I know he played less than rookie quarterbacks the year before, guys like Baker. So he hasn't played much, and he came off an ACL. So I'd be worried for anyone in that situation. I think Jimmy has exceeded some expectations sometimes, but I think he's playing well and can still play a lot better. <laughs> I love the end of that quote because it, it's like four different things at once. But So I think Kyle's pretty hesitant to just totally put him on a pedestal, right? I mean, and, and just his play hasn't deserved to like, you're not getting the Aaron Rodgers treatment here. But I also think I'll give Kyle some credit. Now, he's... It's kind of funny now, but I think, like, were you really expecting him to start that slow? Because you were all over his ass in, tra- in training camp when he was throwing picks, and Jimmy was having a mental breakdown, and people, like, didn't know if he was going to make it until the season. And it was like, God, is Nick Mullins going to Wally Piv him? So, now, then the season started. Sometimes you just need the season to start. And to me, I would say Kyle is on the stiffer side of, you know, he, he has his offense. He wants you to run it like he wants you to run it. But he is an offensive coach, and when you make big plays and when you score touchdowns in critical situations, you've talked to a million coaches, and the number one thing football coaches always hammer home is situational football. And for an offensive coach, situational football, you know, is, I mean, the most important situational football, I would say, is the two- or four-minute drill when you're losing because you have to score. You have to move the ball. Like, they'll also say the two- or four-minute drill when you're winning. Like, the four-minute drill, you got the lead late in the game and run the clock out. Yeah, that's that's not as much on the quarterback, right? You just run three plays. You're, it's more on your offensive line, your running backs, and just get your will to win. But when you're down four-plus points, four to seven points, late in the game, there's just, as a play caller, you need your quarterback to get shit done. And I'd say for the most part, I think I saw a stat, or maybe you told me, or someone told me, his stat when trailing, or one told me this, after a pick, his numbers are pretty unreal, right? Like, and you think about it all year long, even after his mistakes, he's bounced back, and just in the last several weeks after picks, he's come right back down against Arizona multiple times and drove him and scored. The Keekly one several weeks ago, boom, right down the field, scored. That, to me, speaks to what – I don't care what a coach thinks of the player. They love the ability to get over mistakes fast and be unfazed. Like watching Jacoby and Deshaun, both those guys feel like they're kind of unfazed by crazy shit. Clearly, Deshaun is. I mean, he just had the worst game of his career, and he came out today slaying. Like, that's that's a huge quality to me. It's like almost the, the Kobe Bryant, you know, that mindset of I could be 0 for 20, but I'm going to keep shooting. Yeah, it's a yeah. little. It's, it's different as a basketball player because maybe you should pass. As a football player, as well, the quarterback, you have to keep throwing the ball if you're losing. Yeah, you talk about it's. It's a. In some ways, it's kind of baseball, right? Like failure is going to be part of this game. So how are you going to respond to it? Because it's going to happen to you as a quarterback with the brightest light on you. That's what Sunday night is. I think he has exceeded expectations. Not necessarily that you and I sat down before the season and said, here's how great he's going to be, or here's how here's what he's going to look like. Um, you think he's exceeded? But I think he, 
Yeah, I do. And the reason I say that is partly because I think I feel a little more strongly about how good he is in the pocket than most people. And I'm not saying that. I hear this all the time. The, you know, people aren't giving uh, Frank Reich enough respect. It's like, I don't know. I think he's getting a fair amount of respect. So, whatever. If everyone loves Coach of the Year last year votes, I mean, what are are people talking about? But I, I, I'm... Some of his mistakes still make you shake your head. I think his the stuff that he does that is so above and beyond replacement level from the pocket. He just makes, I think, repeatedly makes plays that only the elite quarterbacks in the NFL make. And I and you and I both thought he would be good, and we both thought early in the year he wasn't good. Um, but I think he has shown. I think and that's why this Sunday is so big because I think he's shown the ability to make the kind of plays that Aaron Rodgers makes. Now, he hasn't done them nearly as much or on the stage or, you know, I'm not saying he's there, but I think he has shown the ability to make repeatedly because you got to make these plays like repeatedly. You can't make one a week and that's not, that's good enough. It's not. So uh, that's why this Sunday, I, I, I'm, um, that's part of what's going to be special is because, I think it's part of what Aaron's going to have to do, and I think it's part of what Garoppolo's going to have to do, and I think he can do it. I, I, I feel more strongly about that than I did before the year started, or when he signed the contract, and you and I both said, "Look, you just found a guy. This is value. You got to do it." Um, I feel pretty strongly about it, and I didn't think I'd necessarily feel that way. You know, I'm going to use the golf analogy. Like in really tough tournaments, especially on Sunday, if you get aggressive on shots. You can hit a great shot and it can roll off the back of the green in some of these majors, right? Or finish, come up just short and like land in the shitty rough. And you're like, God, I just hit a perfect shot. Where I think sometimes as a quarterback, you can make, quote unquote, maybe not a perfect throw, but a really good throw. And in Jimmy's case, like some of those tips and overthrows are hitting these guys' hands and just landing in DB's hands. Separate from the ones where Jimmy's hitting the DBs and linebackers in stride. I'm talking about the ones that are tipped. A young quarterback or a guy that doesn't play long, if he had the wrong demeanor, could snap on Kendrick Bourne. Because Jimmy could look like, who the fuck's Kendrick Bourne? Like, you can. That that was something that for a long time, right? Not a long time, but there were rumblings like, does Carson Wentz, is he taking responsibility? Like, is he some weird thing? Like, there's nothing weird with Jimmy, right? Now, the pressure is a little different, right? Just on the way Jimmy's looked at, he got to ease in a little bit. But I also think when you look at, and I'm not comparing him to this guy, like as I'm not saying he's going to become this or whatever, but think about Tom Brady's first like five, six years in the league. Now, obviously, he won three Super Bowls. But when I go, name five skill guys he was playing with. Once you get past Troy Brown and like Corey Dillon, you're going to struggle. His skill guys really in that Kevin early Falk. run, yeah, it's all like Vrabel, Brewski, all the guy, uh, Ty Law, um, Asante Samuel. It's all defensive guys. Think of the second half of his career. Belichick's like, well, we got something. Let's equip him. Look at Manning. Like the majority, like after those first couple years in Indy, once they started to land in the the Reggie Waynes, the Dallas Clarks, all those, the Edrin James, uh, they got Joseph Adai. They just started. Like eventually, you'd think that I missed on Pettis, but you just keep swinging and you're going to hit on some guys. Like you get a Kittle version at wide receiver. How much better he'll look? Because most players. If you're if you're a twelve to fifteen year starter, it's impossible not to land you some sweet weapons. Like look how many Rivers have had forever. Eli had a bunch forever, 
Roethlisberger's had the, the most. I mean, Mahomes landed in like weapon heaven. Uh, the, the one guy, as I was thinking about this when you were talking, I was like, well, I don't know if I could use Russell Wilson in this because like who's the best receiver he's ever had? Like Doug Baldwin? He's the one guy that's kind of overcome. Because even Rodgers had, like, Greg Jennings was really good. When I first got in the league, Donald Driver was really good. Jermaine Finley, or something Finley, the tight end that now hates him. Jermichael. Really, Jermichael uh, was really good. Obviously, Devontae's really good. So, you just think, inevitably, if, if I told you Jimmy and Kyle are here for the 10 more years together, the likelihood that they're going to land some, like, Pro Bowl you know, maybe some a sweet, like, all-star caliber running back or a wide receiver, you'd say it was just inevitable, right? You just, you kind of just land on one. Like, even if the Niners still sucked, it's not that crazy they just landed on a Kittle. That just happens in the NFL. Like, the dude, the Redskins are the biggest joke going. They drafted this, I think his last name is McLaren. He's number 17. He's been, like, one of the best young receivers in the league. He's their third-round pick from Ohio State. You know, it's just... They just got some sweet player. You just you just kind of hit on some random guys, even if you don't know what you're doing in the NFL, let alone I think that you kind of learn from some of your mistakes. You kind of know what to look for in players. And, and it's really, I'd say, less players, more people. Because I think Kyle has a pretty good idea what he wants in this offense. Just like Sala now knows exactly what he wants in this defense. You just got to get the right people. Because clearly the Pettis person – you know, while he gets, he's a good teammate or whatever. There's something with the toughness, or just something off. You know, there's, and I'll get, I'll give this guy credit. He's moved teams three different times, but there is something on Marcus Peters. Since Marcus Peters has been in the league, he went to Kansas City. Now he's pain in the ass, Kansas City. But they won, and he was their best defensive player. They traded him to the Rams. They started winning. He just made a shitload of plays. He trades the Ravens. Have you noticed? Like he gets picks like every other game, even with the Ravens. So he's got some, yeah, he could drive you nuts or whatever, but I bet all the coaches will tell you, you know, you do feel kind of good going to war with that guy because it doesn't feel like they'd be yeah. like, yeah, we just we just don't feel great just going to battle with Pettis. Because like, cause I'd say you the number one thing. if we're going to play in a big game, you can count on him. That, that's what I'd say back to bring this all home. Wouldn't you say that's the biggest thing you've kind of learned this year, however it ends? Like even if it ends on a crippling pick, Levi's is hosting, they, they get a two seed and they're hosting the Packers and Jimmy throws a pick to lose them the game in the fourth quarter. But you're like, you know, we went 13-3 and three, and let's say you lose the Packers like 30-27. to 27. Like We can go to war with that guy. I think that's what I've kind of learned with him. Yeah. There, yep. And there wasn't no, really... I think you're right. You, you go into the game believing, even if you think, oh, I don't know if our line's as good as their line or our coach is as good as their coach. Although that's not really an issue with the Niners that you believe that's part of why you believe in them and him, but you just know he'll give you a chance. I don't, you know, you don't have to say he's as good as Aaron Rodgers to believe that he can beat Aaron Rodgers. And that's where I am with him. Well, that's a great part about like, and, and what helps is that their defense is good. That's what helps too, right? Their defense is good. They got some other playmakers. They can run the ball. Like it's all, it all works. Together. Well, think about this guy. If football was played like that, it was like, you got to go one-on-one with a quarterback. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had like four of the last eight Super Bowls, right? He'd have if that, that's how it, it doesn't really factor in. That's where you there is pressure. I, wouldn't you say now the pressure gets amped up? With it's pretty clear Jimmy's going to be good enough for you to make the playoffs and then compete in the playoffs. You know, it's on now the organization these next couple of years to just nail some shit. 
Like you, you can't have many more Pettises. You know, you, you need to just be a little more locked in on the right guy. That's where I'm saying the I think why the Packers flipped it around right away. I just watched their team. They just got a lot of dudes. And I'm not like Yeah. I'm not talking Deion Sanders, like Hall of Famers. They just got guys like God, this look at Seattle. Like you left that game. The whole conversation all week was like, the Niners are way more talented than Seattle. I left the game thinking, God, the Niners are more talented than Seattle. Seattle comes every play like they're Mike Tyson swinging. Like, okay, yeah, we're not as good. We we ain't scared of shit. I listened to this Chuck Liddell interview, and he told this guy, he's like, I swear to God, I've never been scared of another man. And the guy's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm just not wired like that. It's kind of crazy to think like that. And Chuck's like, it's not like I'm I'm going to always be better. I mean, I've lost several fights. But I just from a, when I was a young age, I every man I ever saw like in a bar, I don't look to fight. I'm actually a friendly guy. But I'm never afraid. And I would say when you watch Seattle, and I think the Niners have kind of become that this year. But Seattle, it's probably their best quality. They, they can step on the field against the 85 Bears. They're going to think they've got a chance. Yeah. It's because they got Pete and because they got – it's. It, it and they've comes been from win- Pete, but it's because they have Russell. Yeah, and they've and they've just won for a while. So if you just play for them for, if you've just been on the team for two years, you're just like we win. You know, it shit works. Just fly around, it works. And I think that's where a huge building block for Kyle this year, regardless how it finishes, once January comes, like this shit works, right? Right. Which is kind of what we were saying from the jump. Eventually. You got to win, and this was year three for Kyle, and luckily he did. So I, I think this could be like a franchise changer in the sense of next year there's going to be pressure. But when he tells guys like this stuff works, like when I call this play, it's gonna you're gonna get open. Now these guys know it, you know. Because one thing when we were talking to Kittle, they just what, what pick did they have? They had the second overall pick. So like yeah, Kittle I had this incredible year and it was sweet. They didn't even win. They had the number two overall pick. Think of what it's going to be like this year when Kittle goes to the Pro Bowl or whatever. I'm 13. My shit works. We're going to win. To me, that's a game changer for a franchise. Yeah, when Kittle goes to the Pro Bowl, when Richard Sherman goes to the Pro Bowl. Bosa. Right? When multiple yeah. guys go to the Pro Bowl. Armstead. When Jimmy Garoppolo goes to the Pro Bowl. Uh. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we move on, John, and get to the Raider game, this podcast is brought to you by Box of Awesome. Boxofawesome.com. Very simple. You go to boxofawesome.com. You enter the promo code HAM. You get 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com. Yeah, I love it. You love it. We've been using it. They've sent us multiple stuff uh, from knives to sweatshirts to handbags. Not even handbags. It's a carry-on bag if you're taking... Duffel. Bigger in a hand, duffel Kansas bag. Duffel. Yeah, but it fits in your hand. It's, 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 you can it's, use your hand. Yeah, you yeah. can use your hand, yeah. Every box guy is over $70 worth of value, but it's $45. Uh, with our promo code HAM at boxofawesome.com, you get 20% off. How, how do you beat that guy? I don't think you can. Every month, new options. You can cancel it any time. Really easy to use. Tell them Haberman Milkoff sent you by using our promo code HAM. That's right. And uh, you never end up with stuff you don't want. But it's stuff you didn't necessarily think you... You might see stuff that you're like, oh, that's pretty sweet, or I could use that for sure. Like I just told you, I got the uh, thing called Rejuvenator just for, like, cleaning your shoes off. Yeah, you know. My dad always told me, like, you just can't show up in a 
important place with dirty shoes. So I had to go for the rejuvenator. Anyway, uh, but you're never going to end up with something you don't want because they send you an email. It shows you what's coming in the next box. you got five days to cancel, add, change color, sizes, whatever. Uh, or you can just skip it if you're not feeling it. Boxofawesome.com. Seat Yep. And Seat Geek, John. So, Sunday Night Football. I mean, sells quick, itself. Quick question on the shoe on the shoe cleaning. So uh-huh. the middle cough, the way I use a wet paper towel just to get off some dust, is probably not working at the highest level, huh? Is it warm water? Cause that's yeah, a, I, I warm it up. I warm it up. Yeah. I've seen you wash your sneakers in the... Well, I washed my sneakers. Washing machine before. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but works. it's different with like a nice pair of like, you know, you're talking about like dress, dress shoes, shoes and stuff, right? Yeah. 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 I'm just talking about like any pair of shoes, really. You're right. Cleaner shoes, you know, as as Jay-Z would say, the slippers are clean. I mean, it's, it's a game changer. That's you right. wear, wear your clean slippers, you know, to a game. Because you buy the game tickets off SeatGeek, then you're looking fly, right? SeatGeek, download the app, promo code HAM. You you're looking like a fool Sunday if you don't use promo code HAM, though. Big time fool. Comedy shows. Fools your pants on the ground. You name it, they got it. SeatGeek, download the app, promo code HAM. It's so easy. Big green dots mean good. Little red dots mean don't buy. It, you, you, SeatGeek has its ear to the streets for you. Tell all your friends, because everyone always asks us, do you have a promo code for SeatGeek? Yes, we do. It's HAM. Actually, they ask, does the promo code work? Because they already know that it's Ham. Well, if you yes. and if you're in LA, what do you got tomorrow? Galen Center, SC Temple. Yep. Did I get that? Is it the Galen Center? Is that what it's called? See, I, I, I know it. So, what time is that tip off? It's an 8 p.m. Pacific time yeah. tip, John. So, if if you're living in LA, you want to go watch the USC Trojans play Temple. Who's Temple's coach? Uh, Aaron McKee. No shit. The former Sixer? Yeah. How long has he been the coach there? This is his first year as the head coach. Remember, they made that run to the tournament last year? With, uh, uh, but he was on the, he's was he been on the staff for like five years. Wow. I, di- I didn't know that. Is he a Temple guy? Is that where he fr- went to school? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So Took Philly guy, Temple. Eight as a player. Oh, big that's time, a, that's, you know, Philly guys, John. That, big that's, five. That's freaking awesome. It is the big five. That's that's. That's pretty cool. So you see, you want to go to the Galen Center tomorrow? Go get take a picture, get an autograph with Haberman. He'll be there, and Aaron McKee. Yeah, any, anybody that comes, all all you guys that are coming, I will <laughs> I'll shake every one of your hands. Who's the who's what's the guy's name? Matt Bone. Who's the new AD? I think I was way off on that. Mike. Name. Mike. What's his last name? Yeah, B O H Bone. Yeah, he's got a. I, I was reading Pete Thamel had a pretty in depth piece. Like it's it's a little more complicated than everyone just thinks. Like. He talked to a bunch of unnamed ADs, or maybe it was just one. Did, did you read the piece? It was just on like Clay Helton. Mm-hmm. It's just like if I was in this guy's shoes, I I might even give Clay one more year just to kind of evaluate because the school's kind of in shambles. It's not his fault with everything going on. Just kind of take a deep breath, mm-hmm. you know. And that's I, have to go. I gotta go read that. Yeah, it was just he was just saying it's not as easy as everyone thinks. Like who are like, if you can't get Urban Meyer, like who are these white whales out there? Like, are you going to go through a situation? Basically the AD was saying, Campbell says no to you. Yeah. Like, unless you kind of already know you got a guy in the hopper, that's going to be like, going to be a fit. You want to go just on a search from scratch and then get denied by some guys and then look bad. And then you're just like, God, but can you afford to, the USC recruiting. I mean, that guy, they're like 77. Like Del Rio's tweeting, John. Well, we know he's... But you and I have said, I don't think it would be the worst. Like, he would, it, 
I don't know if he'd be great, but he would. I do think he'd be pretty passionate about it. You'd think, but you never know. I, I no, I, I I do think he would be. Um, all right, Thursday night football: Texans beat the Colts, as we've discussed. That that help. That's good for the Raiders. I mean, if you had to choose, just because you've beaten the Colts head to head, um. So the Texans beat the Colts because, as, as you as you always say, somebody has to win the AFC South. And uh, to this point, you've been right. So it looks like it'll. It was at the first or the second meeting between between Houston and that's their second. The the Colts won the first one, so Houston had to win this one. It was like must win for them. All right, and they did. So now they're seven and four. Colts are six and five. Raiders are six and four. Um. I got so, my playoff standings up here right now, guy. If the playoffs started yep. uh, Friday morning, we'd have the Raiders. Be, they'd, they'd be playing the, they'd be playing the Texans. That's right. Which I would, they they could win that game. I know they can. Would that be the ESPN Saturday afternoon? Middle cop, don't be. be an asshole. We'd get Sunday night. No, guys, you would get. You got it before. You get it again. You, who are you arguing with <laughs> right now? Uh, Twitter. Yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think Twitter would have that take. No, they don't want respect because everyone shits on uh, the first ESPN game, you know, on Saturday afternoon on Wild Yeah, but it, that's what it would be. That's what well, it would that, be. Well, remember, that is the game the Raiders played in three years ago. So what do you think? Now, I think, here's my other I think, after after my Dante Pettis uh, double pass for Sunday, my other bold prediction, I think the Bengals beat the Steelers on Sunday. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Man. Yeah. I'm just, I, I, this is, I'm, these are just my, these are my, my gut takes. That's a my gut take. without really thinking about it. It's well, more I, of a Mason Rudolph, rough week for him. That's kind of my thought. And you would say more than likely, you know, in our lifetime, there's been one zero loss team, I think. Maybe there's been two. Like, it, it doesn't happen very there's often. There's been one, and it was the Browns. And it was the Lions. So it's been two. Did the Browns oh go God. winless? I forgot about the Lions. Didn't yeah, because or- Orlowski. I thought Hugh won one game. Did he? Uh, now yes. I'm confused. I-, I thought he won like right. three over three years. Go with your but gut. It, it, it wasn't. It, it, it was a. It was a stretch where it was like three and forty-eight. You know, it was ugly. The Lions definitely went winless. I, I think in defense of your of your bold take, though, watching the Bengals against the Raiders, like with Joe yeah, Mixon, Geno Atkins, the Browns. The, the Browns did. They went zero and sixteen. Yeah, and then they. Oh yeah, then they traded the pick because they didn't want Goff or Wentz. Uh, that yeah. worked out well. But, yeah, you'd say the Bengals probably more like a one-win team than a zero-win team. Just watching against the Raiders. They were still playing hard, and they got some decent players. It's a thin line. Yeah, thin line. But anyway, I bring it up I bring it up just because the Steelers are 5-5 five and five behind the behind the Colts. Um, so what are the chances, you think, that the Raiders and the Colts end up with the same record? Well, I, I actually think there are two teams. Let's just assume... Whether you're right or not with the Bengals, I think the Steelers are going to struggle to win every week. Beside the Bengals, like it's going to be hard. So you got the Colts at six and five. What do you? I was talking to a buddy in the league. He's like, whose team might need a quarterback? And he was like, God, Titans. Ryan. Tan- He's like, Ryan Tannehill's played pretty well. He's like, I don't even think they're going to let him go. I'm like, Yeah, I, I doubt it too. But they're five and five. They play the Jaguars this week at home. Then they get the Colts. Then they play the Raiders. Then they play the Texans, then they play the Saints, then they play the Texans. So you go, that's kind of tough. That's going to be actually kind of hard. The Texans, or the Colts, now they get a long week. They get they go Titans, Bucks, Saints, 
in New Orleans. That's tough. Panthers, Jaguars. So I'd say the Colts probably get to nine and seven. Do the Raiders get yes, to nine that and feels seven? Like three. Well, I uh, see now. I if they this is where the Jets game comes into play. If they beat the Jets, they're seven and four. They're going nine and then, seven. I would say. Then yeah, because they're going because they play Tennessee, Jacksonville at home. They play the Chargers and the Broncos on the road, and those games are at the end of the year, week sixteen, week seventeen. So those teams, like you said this to be before the podcast, who knows what the Broncos and Chargers are doing December 22nd, December 29th. The Chargers game could be really ugly, right? They could just completely quit. Well, it's going to be a Raider home game, first of all. Yeah. So right? the Denver game is the second to last wrote, week. The Raiders are one of like five teams that have more fans than the Rams do in L.A., let That's alone the Chargers. Crazy. Yeah, to so me, this, to me, so they, you're saying this be, is, this is why game. this game. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a swing game. I'm just saying if you win this game, now you can lose to Kansas City the next week. Not that you, but that's not how we're going to be talking. If they win this game, we've already talked about this. Then the that Kansas City game becomes the biggest game of the that the Raiders have played since their playoff season. Because now it's like we can talk about we can talk about the division if it's sitting right there in front of you. What do you think about the line right now being at? You know, it's Jets plus two and a half. So the Raiders are basically favored by five and a half points. Like, if you look at Derek's history on the road in cold environments, he has not played well. Uh, now, I think the Jets, you just look at their totality of the season, it's been pretty ugly. But when you look at the history of this team, just traveling. Now, they've been better this year because they had the historic travel and it hasn't been as bad. I think the weather, though, is a different factor than just – you know, September and October travel. That's where I think the curveball is in this matchup. If you told me that it was 85 in New York, I'd like the Raiders. But when you talk about low 40s and rain, doesn't that change your opinion on like, yeah, I mean, they could even play well and lose. Like that's just, that's not something they're used to. It's just not something the quarterback's comfortable in. I think that's I think part if they the play year. well, they win. But I think... Low 40s and rain opens the door for them not to play well. You know, this is where Derek made his first ever start. Remember, they played his first ever game was at the Jets. I don't Dennis Allen, 2014. Do you? How about how about that memory, Raider fans? Do you remember much about that game? Yeah, they didn't do much on offense. Uh, I think I was doing the post game show then. They just it it was just you know the it was kind of the latter years of Rex like it was coming down the home stretch but their defensive line was still good and the Raiders just I mean their best receiver was James Jones their team wasn't very good so they I, final score might have been like nineteen to nothing I, I'm pretty sure they definitely didn't score a touchdown if I remember correct maybe a garbage time touchdown but it was they struggled to move the ball but I mean that was September first not you know October. 24th that, that, I, I just yeah I but, have a hard time but like I said envisioning rain and then playing well with him throwing the ball understood I'm just saying if they play well then I do think they win the game. like they're they, they are good enough versus the Jets that if they play well to me the question is not what happens if the Raiders play well the question is will they play well I'd say the one one kind of caveat here is their defense is terrible the Raiders and yeah. Sam has had some moments the last couple of weeks since he's seeing ghosts like a month ago and coming back from the mono. 
He played really well against the Redskins, threw multiple touchdowns. Robbie Anderson, they got Crowder, you know, Le'Veon. Robbie Anderson's got tickets to the game. I mean, mean, Le'Veon's furious that they keep HGH testing him. He said he refuses to take another blood test. I saw someone tweet. They're like, well, if they test you relentlessly, it's usually because something's a little off in your blood, and they're, like, trying to nail you. And I think Le'Veon's like, you're not going to nail me? Honestly, Le'Veon, if you were on HGH, I wouldn't wouldn't care, but – uh, and I wouldn't blame you. I mean, fuck, no one's blocking for you. You need something, you know. I don't think Le'Veon's had a very good season, and it's not even really his fault. I mean, their team has been horrendous. Well, he went every time a... I watch him, he makes some plays. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, couldn't you envision him making plays against M- Morrow and DJ Swearinger? You know, it's just yeah. I just don't think he can single-handedly win this game. Well, that's what I'm saying. The quarterback can make some plays. But, I mean, are we sure? Was Actually, was the Washington game bad weather? No, not really. No, no. It was, I mean, it might have been chilly. Are we sure Sam wasn't. is any better in the cold and the rain? Well, the the only difference is, is he's just there. So you practicing it. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. no, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to act like the Raiders don't have an advantage in this game. I mean, they're favored for a reason. They're the better, te- better team. But there is, I think, sometimes we forget when these teams get a little good. Because when a, when a Raider, Niner team, or a West Coast team is not that good or just middle of the road, we hammer that, right? The west to east, the early times, the, the weather. Or if you're going to Tampa in September, the heat. And then late in the season, going to Foxborough, going to Philly, going to fucking Washington. It's freezing. Like, it's, just, it's impossible for us to get ready for. I, I looked out my window today, guy, and it was 68 degrees. Well, Derek's... They're not that far away. They're 20 minutes away from me. So, just, I would imagine Adam Gase practice outside. Just, how do you, it's just a disadvantage you're at. It's like, to me, it's a, it's a tangible disadvantage. It's not one of those, like, coach, are we really complaining about the buses or something, you know? Or, like, they didn't have Gatorades on the plane. They only had water. Like, it, we can manage. I'm talking about legitimate, like, it's snowing, <laughs> And it's, you know, you go play Kansas City next week. What if it's 30 degrees? Like, those to me are football tangible advantages. And when you're built, like, I think we realize, like, by the first year, that Harbaugh team, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. (laughs) They can play in Antarctica. They can play in the Dominican. (laughs) They could play, as our guy would say, any place, anywhere, anytime. You tell them they're there and let's go. Well, usually the teams that are that are elite defenses and run games. Well, the, the Raiders' defense isn't very good. Now, their run game is, but you'd say, well, that's the Jets, and we talked about this on the last pod. Like, that is their one defining positive attribute, defense. Someone told me in the league that, I guess, I mean, I you read about it. I, I, don't, I don't have access to the information. You know how everyone has, like, a chip in them now? So they know how f- the next-gen stats, they know how fast they're running? Yeah. Well, I, the, is that how they – I thought it's the cameras that get M- – Maybe it is. I, I don't know exactly. But, yeah, the chip and the camera sees it and can – But practice, they do wear chips that tell them how fast they ran. Yeah, but in the game – I know in college, every, at least. I, okay. I, I know in the, like in the game, every team has access to every player. So, like, if you are the Niners, you can have access to the Jets and, like, all their players. I was told that Darren Waller has been the fastest tight end in the league this year. Wow. And like you said, it you watch him, and when I'm like, how are they not covering him? Maybe it's just because he's the fastest motherfucker on the field. 
and he's huge. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, he's 6'5", and he can run like a deer. But that's... See, that would be a thing if it wasn't raining. I'd be like, how are they going to cover Darren Waller? Now, they do have a guy that you would say, well, if anyone in the league would kind of match up, it'd be 33, who's the one of the lone bright spots on the Jets. Who's another example of a team that, like, hadn't drafted well forever. Even they end up with the Jamal. Like, you just, if you just draft, you're just going to, every couple of years, hit a Jamal Adams. Even if it's, like, a random, like, fifth rounder. You just will. You, you, you could close your eyes and throw darts at the draft board. Now, did you see a lot? There's been a lot of buzz this week. They have had the most productive draft class in the league, the Raiders. And they're missing a guy who hasn't played all season, a first rounder, and another guy, Cleveland Farrell, who hasn't been good. But Jacobs, you know, is like third in the league in rushing. Uh, Crosby. Crosby's been really good. Hunter Renfro's been awesome. He's got a couple touchdowns, just had a couple catches. He has been. He's got that other dude, Hunter, uh, not Hunter, but the Monroe kid from LSU has been good. He's made a bunch of plays. Uh, the kid they draft in the second round, Mullins, the, the corner, starting to just play and make plays. So it's like, yeah, a, a big a big part of that has been Crosby and obviously Jacobs. But they've just gotten production out of their draft class. And you go, I think big picture, I'll be, you know, middle class, uh, who's talking? I, I'm just being the Twitter guy. Is that you go? Well, the one thing Mayock is probably going to be the pretty good at of being in your dome. <laughs> I actually think Mayock is going to be better, like in the mid rounds, because he's like kind of a Chris Ballard. Most of his guys, like past the third round, were all pretty consistent, right? Just tough guys, got dependable guys. Maybe not super Pro Bowl ceilings, but the Patriots have fucking built the dynasty around yeah. half their team being They're those. Playing for your team right away. I mean, to me, when I think Max Crosby, I think like Winovich. Like they're the same guy, just kind of different position. I mean, they're both kind oh, of. Yeah, I wonder rushers. why you think that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I got, you should, what should I have been like? When I think Max Crosby, I think Fletcher Cox. <laughs> it's, That's right. it's a little harder you to go cross racial. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just if you keep getting solid guys, and this is where the pressure is, they're going to have two first round picks. You're going to have to get some impact guys to go with it. And this year they got Jacobs. And, and they deserve credit for getting Waller, which, think about this. If Gruden wouldn't have signed Waller, I'd imagine Waller's not even in the league. Do you think, do you think Waller's in the league? What was his connection to the Raiders? I read somewhere that Gruden, when he was doing a game for Monday Night Football like three or four years, saw him on the sideline and like never oh, forgot maybe about that, Was he at a practice maybe? Did, did you tell like me that? that? No, I, I feel like that was a part of Hard Knocks. I thought someone someone said somewhere that he's like, I got I want that guy on my team one day. I thought he just saw him on the sideline when he wasn't even coaching and thought about him. Because how would they even, like, why would Waller have even come up to Gruden? You know, he was out of the league. He had been suspended. Maybe the Raiders just have a list of just suspended guys they're always keeping an eye on. It, you know, it's an it's an all time pull if he just saw him randomly at a practice while he was getting ready for Monday Night Football. That's an all timer. Yeah, That's, I feel yeah. like it was part of the Hard Knock story, but I thought the Hard Knock story. They, I mean, they did several things on him. I I don't remember them hitting on the origin of how like he signed with the Raiders. It was more like how he overcame it and how open he was about how many yeah. drugs he was using. I remember the, the John Harbaugh clip when he's like, Waller, wake up. 
And Waller's like, God, yeah. he, if he only he knew I was high as hell. It's crazy. But, yeah, it's just there aren't many Darren Waller stories, guy, because most of them they're just they usually go the other way. They, they just really do. So it's I I think those those type stories really do they and they I know it doesn't sell on social media or podcasts or whatever but it really should be like the league should celebrate shit like that they gave this guy a second chance in life he turned his life around he became a pro bowler like he finally he didn't just realize his potential he became a star you know like that guy's going to the pro bowl and it yep. turns out he's the fastest guy in the league at his position according to preparatory information preparatory can't even say that word pituitary no uh What's this? What's the secret information? Proprietary. 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 Uh, all right. Some headlines. Headlines. Actually, you mentioned the Ravens. Let's start there because you actually, you were like going next level, next level because we've been talking about the Niner Raven game. And you said you told me you said, well, do you realize the Ravens play on Monday Night Football? Did you know that? And then have to, you know, what's funny is I. Just now, while we've been doing the podcast, I've had the Fox station on LA on, and they're like post-football Thursday night show. They're doing a bunch of like Rams-Ravens preview stuff, so like breaking down Lamar film. But you would already their, told who's their Who's their analyst? I, you know, I didn't. It was two guys. I didn't recognize them. Um, but no, I did. I did not know that they played Monday night football, or at least I didn't put two and two together. So it's a short week, and they've got to do as much travel. In fact, the Niners could the Niners beat them to Baltimore. They wouldn't travel that early, I guess, but they could if they wanted. Well, think about this. If the game ends at 8.15 West Coast time, by the time you shower, media obligations, eat, get on the buses, get to the hangar, you're probably leaving around 11.30, 12. It's a five-hour flight to Baltimore. So if you leave at 12, I mean, you're talking 8 in the morning? That's that's an intense trip. I I, Honestly, I, I just... I've chalked that game up as just an L in the back of my head, especially the last couple of weeks. I'm like, that's even if you beat the Packers, that's an incredible uphill battle the next week. It, wouldn't you say that's kind of a pretty game-changing curveball when you find out about that information? They're playing Monday Night Football in L.A.? Yeah. Um, that's a huge advantage for it, the Niners. It's, it, it's a break for the Niners. I don't know how much of an advantage it ends up being for them, but it is a break for them. You think a I'm overrating the, tra- the the travel? No, I, I think what you described is, is accurate. I just don't know if I'm willing to say it's an advantage to the 49ers. Because at the end of the day, they still are playing there. Yeah, so they right. end up I think it's travel. a break. But you but they get to travel guy at normal hours. Like, they get to leave at, like, noon. No, yeah, yeah. I. But, I mean, it's, it's still a row game is my point. True, but it totally fucks up. Just your Tuesday as a player, it's your off day. You're exhausted. The coaches have to just like coach and game plan. Think how exhausted you are. You're like, oh my god, I what am I gonna do? I I have seven things I need to get to coach by the time we land. Then I have eight other things I have to break down, and it's midnight, and I got no sleep ahead. Does anyone have any cocaine on this plane? I mean, what what are you gonna do? I, I don't know. I, you answer me, guy. What do you do if you're the quality control guy that week? Meth? Bang? Is that the thing that everyone's drinking? What's yeah, bang? But, Isn't everyone yeah, drinking bang? I, I think bang? I think bang's got a little caffeine in it. Yeah, it's a, it's an energy drink. Somebody told now, me the other night that they drank, they drank some bang and could in the morning and could not fall asleep at night. But I don't know if it's... 
I don't, is I don't, that is that powerful? I don't know. I you know he was like because I said was your heart beating out of your chest? Because I remember again third AJ riding reference. He was the first person that ever that I knew that tried five hour energy, and I remember he had two, and him telling me that his heart was coming out of his body. So I didn't I, get the impression that's what Bang did. But I never trusted ten hours those, of energy. I, I never trusted those little things. I I don't think I maybe I had one. I don't think so. I I don't really remember having one ever. But that's what you do if you're in that situation. All right, maybe it is. I mean, at minimum, it's a break. At maximum, maybe it is an advantage. Uh, headline, did you see that Jay Williams got on social media and started a GoFundMe for James Wiseman to pay back the, to pay back the charity $11,000? And he had, by like 10 minutes, they had $2,000. And then someone's like, this is a violation. You can't uh, yeah. give him the GoFundMe. You know, I, I got to say, I appreciate that. I, I think it's pretty crazy that he's got to make an $1,100 donation. But I did not see that story. That's a pretty good story. But didn't he already pay back the booster? I, I that You mean Anthony Hardaway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His coach? Do, here's the elephant the in the room on... Chips? Yeah, the, the elephant in the room on Wiseman and the dude from Blue Chips... And just the history of the Memphis program with Coach Cal that I'm pretty sure had to vacate the Final Four. Like, can we all acknowledge that Wiseman ended up there and and, and Penny becoming the coach? Like, eleven hundred dollars is the least of his fucking worries. <laughs> like, there's a lot. Like, there's, that's the least shady thing happened. You know, let's just can we just acknowledge the elephant in the room on this thing? And can we just let him play? Because I want to see what the Warriors' future center looks like. So just just let him play. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Oh, the other guy from suspension, uh, this is pretty good. You're, like you said, uh, Clatt and Gus Johnson go to Ohio State every other week. They got some pretty good 9 a.m. kickoffs. Part of it is because it's Ohio State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. <laughs> it's just it's all Ohio State's good games. Uh, Ohio State, Penn State, but just what's his name's coming back? And yeah, Chase Young. The line's like 18, right? 18 and a half. They asked. You know, Tua got hurt. Somehow someone got a hold of Nick Bosa's dad. And they asked him, like, what he thought about Tua getting hurt. And if he thought, like, a guy like Nick or Tua, you know, his kids or just other players like Chase Young should should leave school after their sophomore year and just mm-hmm. train and get ready. And his answer, I expected, like, oh, what's Bosa's dad's going to say? You know, he just skip high school. He's like, no. He's like, he said that Nick got dramatically better, he thought between his sophomore year and spring practice. He's like, because in college, you wore pads in the spring. He's like, he got way better. So he came into that season his junior year as just like another level ass kicker. He's like, I, guys get hurt playing football. just happened. We left because he wasn't going to be able to come back. Like, he was hurt. So it was, it, we didn't leave because we didn't think Urban knew what he was doing. Like, I sent him there again. Right. And it was he actually wouldn't like, have God. left if he hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah, it was like he had if a he had terrible injury. If he sprained his ankle, it was going to be out a month, he probably would have stayed. Yeah, and I think sometimes I was like, God, I, this quote should go viral. I, I like that quote because in football, you get better playing football. And you just sometimes freak injuries happen. Now, you could argue like Chase Young at this point after he got kicked out. Like if, if you told me that Chase Young was like, hey, guys, I'm just out. This got a little weird. I'm not going to risk it. I've had a couple weeks off now. I would understand. Like he's already proven it. But I'm with him. Like all these guys leaving – 
to me, it's kind of an indictment when you mail in. Look at the guys that have mailed in. I mean, mailed in their junior season after everyone blew them. Were like Clowney, who's, wouldn't you say, kind of an underachiever for clearly his talent? Because you watch when he tries hard, he's the best player on the field. And the other yeah. guy would be Leonard Fournette, who kind of mailed it in. Like most guys, good players guy. Feels like it took him a year to get it back, didn't it? Who? Leonard Fournette. Like it took him a year to get back to what we thought he was going to be. Yeah, I just. But I think mail. I think. Do you trust Leonard Fournette? Like I, I just don't trust mail it in guy. You know, think how many great right. players in the NFL. Right. How many of them are mail it in guys? Like does does Michael Thomas with 700 catches through 10 weeks strike you as a did he mail it in for Urban or do you just keep kicking everyone's ass? You know, just go around well, go the around thing. the league. Like, don't you think it, don't you think football's really fun for Chase Young? Wait, I I, well, I watched the uh did you see that thing that went viral about the high school kids crying in the Minnesota? It just kind of went viral. Like Ronnie Lott quoted, and he's like, football's the best. <laughs> it was, I did It was his high school kid. It looked like the quarterback was just crying. And he's like, the crazy part, and he's just in tears, and he's talking about how much he loves his coaches and loves his teammates and how great high school was. You could, it just lost like the state championship because they're at like Siggy oh, okay. Wolf's fucking palace. The, the Vikings logo's in the back, so they're like at where Zimmer talks. And he's like, people think it's all about the games. You only play 12 of these things, you know? And you realize, that's what we always talk about in football. The games are the only cool part. Every other part of football sucks. Like tomorrow, all around the league, everyone's getting the facility between like 6.30 and 7 a.m., and you better be awake. And then you eat a quick breakfast, and you just go to meetings, and then you go to practice, then you go to more meetings. People are yelling at you. And it's just it's just not that fun, you know? The, the, the Sundays, you notice how happy everyone is? Like just how geeked everyone is for a game? Go Show up to... Uh, Thursday morning at 6 a.m. outside of an NFL facility. See how guy, if these guys are smiling. You know, they look like everyone else going to work. It's not fun. You work all week long to play the game. People are like, just quit. No more games. It's like, Zion, stop playing games. Zion's like, I want to play basketball. Like, the media always wants everyone to quit. Just quit. Stop playing. You're, you're, the man's screwing you. No, guys, this is, I, this is cool, man. I like being around Coach K. You know, Urban Meyer... Everything Urban Meyer said to me has worked, and we just keep winning, and it's fun. All the chicks like me. You know, I like being here at Ohio State. I'm hanging out with my friend. I'm playing with my friends. Yeah, you know the yeah. thing I did my whole life growing up. Or maybe you media people projecting that your lives kind of stink. Like, let me be. <laughs> you know, James Wiseman's like, I, yeah, I know I, you I don't like want to be here past deadline, but I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, I, I like hanging out with Penny. Uh, here's a uh, here's a headline for you. Actually, you alerted me to the Seth Wickersham Chargers. Rams article. There are so many nuggets to that article. For those of you that didn't read it, it's one of those you start reading, you're like, it's kind of long, and then just every paragraph is just nuggets and stories. The Rams apparently have fewer local fans than the Patriots, the Steelers, the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Raiders in L.A. But this was more, this was a Chargers and Rams story. What does it show you about L.A.? Uh, <laughs> they like winners? It, it summarizes what uh what everyone was afraid of now jerry was willing to take it on my favorite i there were so many favorites i think my favorite part of the story was that the chargers unveiled their marketing slogan fight for la and it ruffled some feathers with the rams because people like fight for la the money we make we have to give to you 15 percent of it we win la and then we'll you'll make more money with us winning la it what what would have been better like they took we're here or something Come, come, hang. Charger territory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're here too. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. That's <laughs> a good point. It's like what you probably sit around that room. The people who came with that slogan were like, "Oh, you come up with a better one." Yeah. What are so, your options? They spent $3 million marketing Fight for L.A., 2.3 of which went on Facebook ads that, quote, according to the article, didn't move the needle. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, my my favorite part was the league, and I think Jerry's Legends, tells you the price point to hit given your city for your PSLs and, like, will generate the money. And both teams, one thing that was kind of enlightening is the Rams are struggling a little, too. And it's, I noticed this the other night on Sunday Night Football Guy. You could feel the vibe at that stadium was like, is this still cool? You know, is this is this fun? Like, yeah, you guys are winning, but we're not, this isn't Chicago. We don't want to see a 17 to 15 game here. We like, you know, Haber Middlecoff might not have loved that 50 to 48 game, but we all did. That, that felt like Showtime Lakers because, if you were going to place that game one place in the NFL stadium, you'd want it in L.A. Like, that shit would would resonate. And it felt cool and it felt big. It doesn't feel like that anymore. And it feels like why I think they got the go-ahead to go get Jalen Ramsey, go get more sweet players, try to win. Like, 9-7 and seven this year, to me, guy, is pretty devastating for them. I've had the thought, reading that article, and just thinking about it, they, ever since that Sunday night game, where it's like, God, they've kind of lost some buzz. Not that McVeigh's in trouble or anything, but I could just see the amount of money that's being spent, the amount of pressure on them to make money. If they have a couple, if they miss the playoffs like back to back years, it just would, there'd be a lot of miserable people on eggshells in there, including like Sean McVeigh. Not saying he's going to get fired or anything, but there's this elephant in the room there that's different than a lot of other franchises, right? Yeah, I think part of what you're feeling maybe is like Stan Kroenke feels like has historically stayed out of football. But he has so much of his money on the line, more than he expected. This was supposed to be like a two billion, less than a $2 billion. It's supposed to be a $1.8 billion stadium. What was the running joke in League of Six? What was the running joke? Like Our $6 billion, billion dollar stadium. <laughs> We're happy to take any donations. It really so is. It I, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend reading it. It's a good read. And he's footing the bill. I think this is what you're saying, right? Is like, this is not a guy that wants to be involved in football operations, quote unquote. But he clearly will put his money where his mouth is. And I think part of what you you saw in this article is that what they're banking on is that they're building something so special and so unique and so over the top that you're just going to have to be there. But one thing we know is like, and this is part, part of what Wickersham, I think, and Don Van Natta wrote, is like, what happens when the building wears off if your team's not good, and this is not unique to them, like the 49ers have a built-in loyal fan base. And when their team's not good in their new stadium, there's no buzz in that building. So it's not unique just to L.A., but I think the lows can be lower in L.A. Well, especially um, LeBron and the Lakers are going to be good the next couple of years. The Dodgers are really sweet. Like you are, and we feel it here. It's different because teams keep leaving, but – uh there is a fight even at the top with the top, like the Niners and the Giants and the Warriors are all fighting for real estate. Like, you think the Lakers want to give up real estate to the Rams? And right and right now, John, from a football standpoint, because one of the things, there was one passage in the article that's like, they're banking on 70,000 people coming every week. Not eight times, but 16 times, right? Because there's two teams. What happens if USC's good? And now it's like, because I know this, when they're good, I know what happens in that stadium. It fills up. 
I'd say the so difference gonna, is, yeah, like if, if you told me Urban Meyer's there next year and they're immediately a top 10 team, that place is rocking. If the Chargers just suck, no, I mean, that place that place will be empty. But the, 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 I would but say, the though, the difference. Sucked. The Chargers haven't sucked. <laughs> USC's been down, and they can't fill 35,000 seats with Charger fans. But I, what I one thing I do wonder about is the Home Depot Center is just a run-of-the-mill People play soccer there. Like I was going to All Star games there when I worked in the NFL. I mean, that place has been around for a while. The Coliseum has been around forever. The new stadium, there is a newness with the stadium you're going to get for a couple years, right? Just there's 20 million people in LA. People are just going to want to see the thing, don't you think? Yeah. Because I mean, yes. I'd want to go to. I mean, I mean, I'd want to check. But it that's out, part of you? the fear of the the. <laughs> yeah, but part of what the article is like. Okay, so two years are over. Then what? Well, yeah, you, you got to five win. billion dollars on the thing. Well, that that's where they have no equity. But the Chargers are winning, and no one's going to the Chargers games. That's I think that's part of the point of the thing is like, even what if do you do, guy? Do you send them home? What do you do? They have no home. Well, I know. I, well, I my my I finished reading that. Like, well, guys, this is the bed you made. There are no solutions. Yeah, like this is you're here. Okay, here here would have been this would have been my solution. Everybody. We're gonna make. We're all making money off of Stan, but for Stan to make the most amount of money he can make, he's got to be the only show in town, and he can't be getting dragged down. So one way or the other, it's gonna cost us money. Let's help Dean build a stadium in San Diego. Well, they kind of wrote that. They kind of they, didn't they write that in the article that like Dean for a second realized he should have stayed in San Diego. Why didn't the well, league just help foot the bill? What they wrote was yeah. One of the things was like. The five hundred and thirty million dollar relocation fee. People are like, why don't you just use that towards your own stadium? <laughs> Let's just do that. But the bad blood had been there for so long. The San Diego thing feels so much like the Oakland thing, right? But and the difference is, I mean, I mean, the similarities is with Dean and and Mark is they don't have the money, guy. So even if the league gave him five hundred million dollars and just use the five hundred million, like they're only getting five hundred million dollars to give on the relocation fee because they're generating it from the new stadium. They w- they don't have any money. So neither of them. My like, point is. Look at, look at Stan. He just shows up in L.A. and he starts cutting fucking checks. And, and he's so goddamn rich. He's one of the richest people in this country. You could tell in that article, like, he's kind of becoming uncomfortable. That's where I got in the back of my head. Like, is he walking around this building making other people kind of uncomfortable? Like, is McVeigh just super cocky in the building anymore? Or is he just like, God, we got to figure this shit out. Why not, if you're the NFL, build the Chargers stadium, charge them a dollar rent, just the deal you're giving them in L.A., but just let Stan be. Let the well, Rams ha- have a chance to grow in their own market by themselves. You, you know, when you read that article, and we I mean, we were living it when it happened, they, become, they became way too emotional with all this stuff because the Chargers and Raiders were so emotional about it. Where when the Raiders, when the when the league's usually good with stuff, they're unemotional. They got, they they got way too emotional because your solution was right. It should have just been Stan. You go by yourself. You other two just wait, relax. How about how about this? How about this part of the story, where they they it's time for the Rams and the Chargers to launch their seat licensing selling to, uh, uh, deals, right? It's March 2018. It was harder than it was expected for the Rams, and it couldn't have been worse for the Chargers. <laughs> this is my favorite. This is my favorite part. Most teams hire at least a dozen staffers to handle the seat license sales for a new stadium, in addition to hiring a company like Legends. That's the company owned by Jerry and the Steinbretters. 
The Chargers, which outsourced most of the work to Legends, were flying blind in L.A. with no analytics department or sophisticated method of reaching fans. The Rams had a huge head start. They'd sold 70,000 season tickets for 2016 in six hours in the Coliseum. All the Chargers had was, quote, a couple email addresses. <laughs> Is it? Like, how do you not have? I We have analytics. We get immediate analytics for our podcast. Now, I'm not saying we're not trying to fill a stadium, but how do you not have analytics? How do you not have any market research? I, well, how is I that mean, possible? They really. I texted feel... a buddy of ours that works in the Warriors sweet sales. Like those are expensive. He's like, who doesn't have? He, this is what he said. Who doesn't have analytics in 2019? Yeah, it's wild. They are, are they kind of becoming the Cincinnati Bengals? Here, here's a here's a nugget I heard. Uh, that's kind of disrespectful to the Bengals, honestly. Well, the lowest three revenue teams last fiscal year in the NFL were. 32 Bengals, 31 Chargers, 30 Raiders. That was the group. Lowest revenue okay. teams in the league. And, yeah. So, that's you're just dealing with teams with no money, with no foresight, really. At least, the I mean, the Raiders just got this sweet deal where I think, that, I think Dean thought he was getting a sweet deal because it was just easy, cheap, and he didn't have to do anything. Like, the Raiders still have to do shit. It doesn't feel like Dean does anything. I, I've lost so much respect for Dean, and I didn't even have any over the last couple of years. Like, I, I didn't—is he really this big of a joke? Like, is he going to do anything? If if I was Stan, I'd lose it. Like, I, I'd think about just freezing him out somehow. I don't know. I mean, there's probably legalities now. He has things signed, but how much does Stan want no part of him ever coming into a stadium? Imagine building a house, guy. And you have to let some other guy come because, like, your business. I mean, can you? I don't even know what the analogy would be to make it feel the same. It'd be like building an office building. Let's say we were podcast partners with, like, a greater podcast that were, like, part of podcasts. And there's, like, 10 other ones. But we were the lead guy and we bought, like, an office studio and we paid for it all. But because, like, some. The other businesses like sell some ads or help us make money. So we're being good partners. We're trying to help this guy out, but they say, well, he has to use the studio kind of whenever he wants to. And you're like, well, does he get to pitch in and pay for half? No, he's only going to pay a dollar a year. And he can use it half the time? Yeah, he can use it half the time. He's only going to pay a dollar a year. And then if I was Stan, I would not cash that check. I'm not cashing your dollar. I can't believe they came up with that number. It's pretty outrageous, guy. A dollar? Like, to me, I, I actually think there'd be less animosity, right, if he was charging them $25 million. So at least you're like, well, he's my fucking tenant. Or whatever, you know, the fair value would yeah, be. Yeah, there's money coming out of his pocket. He can say things like, we. You 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 pay me a dollar, you don't get to say things like, we. Did he say we in that a couple times? Well, he said, we're, pr- we're, on- we're proud to be a part of this. Or to be involved, like you can I don't tell, he's seem like they're doing it. Yeah, but it's a, it's a disaster. If like you see we all him, know it, people, the second you feel bad and you give them an inch, and they just take more, and you're like, "Why did I? Why did I agree to do what? I, why did I agree to meet him outside and give him a couple tickets or what? Well, I don't, don't even know what." Yeah, don't you think the great part about being an NFL owner, once you get that rich, especially on Stan's level, where you have that type of money, you don't depend on fucking anybody. 
You tell people. Well, you exactly. tell people. You tell people what to do. That's why? Because you're cutting every check. Now your life do, is designed to do everything himself. You're still doing that entire thing. You're doing everything yourself, but you have this guy that's just kind of like holding on to the bottom of your shirt and it's just following you wherever you go. It's got, and he's clearly kind of an introverted guy. I mean, he probably wants to snap. And people are telling you like this. This whole meal that you paid for, we actually can't eat until the other guy shows up. You're like, are you kidding me? I just cooked everything. I'm, I'm going to pick up my fork. I'm going to take a bite. They're like, no, no, no. you got to wait for Dean to come sit down. We don't eat until Dean sits down. You're like, this is my house. When you're that rich He's and late. that powerful and you spent that much, guy, I do believe Stan has an on-the-record blow-up coming where he just, like, what, what the fuck am I, who am I protecting? This is a joke. John, you mean the one he had at Coffee Bean in Beverly Hills? <laughs> Yeah, but kind of. I mean, he's just screaming at Roger on the phone. <laughs> and Billy, the UCLA student, is like, is that Cronky screaming at Roger Goodell right next to me on the iPhone? Yeah, it's. I, read the article. It's really good. I'll let you get to bed. Do, by the way, do you believe that story? Because like today, while we're sitting here, I'm looking up at the news, and there was apparently there was a, a, a like a jumbo jetliner that started uh, had to do an emergency landing because flames were coming out of one of the engines. And there's footage of of it from the ground and there was footage from the plane because somebody just put their cell phone pointed it who was sitting by the wing out the window and you see flames coming out of the engine right yeah is Stan Kroenke really sitting in a coffee bean for 10 minutes yelling at Roger Goodell and nobody films that or did somebody film it and like Stan's guy paid that person five thousand well, dollars to deliver that it? was like that was like 2016 right you know, in L.A., would they recognize a skinny, super rich? Like, he doesn't really stand out if he's got a hat on and glasses. Like Billy he's from not, UCLA would have recognized him. I, I just don't think Stan Kroenke is that recognizable if you don't, like, a couple of random people in the coffee. You Especially know. then, you're right. Yeah, you now know, he's yeah. probably. But even now, like, if you don't think he could just walk around with, like, people would notice? Like, wouldn't you say uh, Sean McVay would be way I think more, more noticeable people than notice. the owner? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think Sean would be more. Would he be? Well, maybe not more recognizable than Golf. I feel like he would be. Yeah, one tall. one million percent. But you're right. The height. Sean's not that tall, so you'd blend in that way. But Golf, you just notice him just because he's tall six foot four. Yeah. Okay. But have a have note. a have a good call, guy. <laughs> you too, John. Three and out pod. Later. Have a good pod. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.